This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 536. And the quote of the day is, learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Gobble gobble, friends! What's going on? It is uh, it is the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. Today is Black Friday. I hope you guys had a. If you're here in the states, I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope it was safe, and I hope that you ate a ton. And if you're not here in the U.S., I hope you had. I hope you had a great Thursday and happy Friday to you. Uh, speaking of Black Friday. Sweetwater has an amazing deal going on right now. It's the biggest deals of the year happening with their Black Friday sale that's happening now until November 30th. And check this out. You get free shipping and all these great perks through Sweetwater, which is normal, but they also have interest-free financing for 48 months. And this is on a bunch of different brands. Check this out. You can get Century Percussion drum sensors. They were $549. They're on sale for $399. And you can finance it for, check this out, nine bucks a month, 0% interest. So you can do that. You can get a sonar kit. You can get a Mapex kit. The Mapex kit right now, instant savings, it is uh, $699. It was $899. That saves you 200 bucks as low as $15 a month. So do yourself a favor. Just go to sweetwater.com, check out the Black Friday sale. And just click on drums or anything else that you may want and check it out. Interest-free financing for 48 months on most brands. Free shipping. Amazing customer support. Check them out, my friends over there at Sweetwater.com. And let's get into this topic. So this is this is some stuff that I was thinking about uh, over, over the last couple of weeks about early mistakes that, that I made. And some of them... Let me rephrase that. It was mis- it's mistakes that I've made, and some of them were early in my career, some were later in my career, and some of them were recent that I that I never realized that I was doing. So I want to just talk about some of them because I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did. I want you to avoid these mistakes, which are easily avoidable. And uh, but I think that as we it's as we go through our career, it's hard to see the mistakes that we're making unless someone can point out mistakes that they've made, and then you may say, ah. Oh, I kind of do those same things too. So here's 10 mistakes I made and that you should avoid. And there are no particular order, but let's just get rolling. Uh, the first one would be that I was thinking a lot about speed over musicality and and accuracy. And this is this is something that happened to me particularly at a younger age where everything I did, I wanted it to be faster. Like I wanted everything to be as fast as possible. And when I was learning rudiments or learning a pattern or learning a groove or whatever it was, the only thing that I was concerned about is trying to play it faster. And as you've known from listening, or as you know, from listening to uh, how many of these episodes that we've done, that speed is not the most important thing. It's not even close to the most important thing. Musicality and accuracy is the most important thing. And the other side of that is the slower you practice, the faster you learn. And Stanton Moore always says that practice slow, learn fast. And I believe that if you're trying to learn a pattern or a groove or some, some sort of, uh, even a style or anything like that, the slower you practice, the better yourself 
the better, sorry, I can't talk today for some reason. The better you are going to learn it, the faster, and you're giving your brain an opportunity to learn faster. You're not just hitting it really fast and, and expecting your brain to catch up. So that was mistake number one, thinking about speed over musicality and accuracy. The second thing, and this was a big one, is too much ego. And when I started playing drums, by the time I was like 15 or 16 years old, I thought I was like the best drummer in the world. I can, I legitimately can say that. I was like, no one is better than me. Anytime I would see anybody else play, I was like, oh, I can do better than that. I heard anybody on the radio. I was like, this guy's garbage. I can play better than this person. And then you realize that you know, one, you'll never be the greatest drummer in the world, probably, you know, I mean, that's a, that's something that can't be measured. Uh, so you'll never be the greatest drummer in the world because that's up to opinion. But the other side of it too, is that you realize once you get to a certain point, there is so much more that you don't know. And that happened to me, I think I was 17 or 18. I went to PASIC and I saw Thomas Lang play and I realized that he was the first drummer that I saw play at PASIC. And I realized that, uh, wow, I know nothing about playing drums. And I went back to the woodshed. But number two, uh, too much ego. So check your ego at the door for sure. There's always someone better than you. There's always someone who can teach you something. There's always someone who can play faster than you. There's always someone who can groove harder than you and use them as inspiration. But just remember, you know, Ego is not serving you in any way, shape, or form. Confidence is good. Ego is bad. The third, and I think that these two are sort of hand in hand, is overplaying. And I overplayed all the time. And what I realized at the time, I was trying to impress people. And I wasn't necessarily trying to impress people on the bandstand. I was trying to impress people who were watching. So Rather than just playing a groove, I always wanted to be like playing all types of fills and all this cool stuff that I learned and all these licks. And what I realized is it made the music sound horrible. It made other people not want to play with me. It made, you know, it made it hard for people to dance, all that sort of stuff. And there, you know, I got sat down and said, look, you're playing too many notes. And in fact, one of the, one of the gig, and I was, older like i was 24 when this happened and and i we were playing a gig and i was just overplaying 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 and the guitar player just stopped and was like all right man go ahead go ahead and got on the microphone and was like go ahead man go do your thing like basically he was saying if you want to keep overplaying just do a solo and get it over with and he totally put me on the spot and i was embarrassed and i felt like an idiot um not the best way to handle it from from his perspective, I don't think he should have done it that way, but the point was made and I understood I really got to get this overplaying under control. And then I started playing with more seasoned players and and I really started to get dialed in and really understand, okay, this is what's necessary and overplaying is not necessary. So uh, check check how many notes you're playing. You don't get paid by the note. So, uh, so you want to make sure that you're not overplaying. Um, the number four is I was resistant to criticism. So anytime anyone would tell me anything, whether it be constructive criticism or 
or attacking me, you know, either way, I always felt like it was coming from a place of negativity and they were, they were jealous or they were trying to make me feel bad or they didn't like my playing or they didn't know what they were talking about or they were stupid or they were an idiot or whatever it was. Again, this was a little younger, you know, when I was younger in my career and once I, and someone told me, they said, you know, you're really resistant to constructive criticism. But then I flipped the script and I actually started seeking it out. And I started asking more and more people to not criticize me, but give me constructive criticism, give me positive feedback that I can go home and work on things. So after the gigs, I would say, hey, what could I do better? What, you know, what did you like? What did you not like? And in the beginning, people were like, no, everything's great, man. You sound great. You sound amazing. All that kind of stuff. And I would say, no that is not helping me. And I don't believe that everything I played was perfect. I don't believe that it was it was amazing. So tell me what I could have done better. And then when people realized that I was actually open to it, I started getting a lot of constructive criticism. And that took my playing to a whole nother, whole nother level really quickly because it's hard for us to understand what we're doing wrong, but it's easy for other people if they do it in a constructive way. And if you're open to hearing that feedback, uh, that that can open our eyes really quickly. So that was something that was really good for me is to start being open to criticism. Um, number five, I was impatient. And I felt like things were moving too slow with the the size venues we were playing, how many people were coming out to the shows, what types of gigs I was getting, how I was how I was progressing as a player. And the thing that that I slowly realized is that this just takes time. And there's a there's a quote that I love that it says it takes 10 years to build a career in anything, so be patient. And when you're younger in you know patience is something that we don't have and as we get older I guess we learn more and more patience and I'm still pretty impatient with a lot of things, but I do understand that things take time. And so for you, if you're if you're not progressing the way that you feel like you should be or as quickly and you're not getting the gigs and you're not getting, you know, more people are coming to your shows, just remember that you have to have some patience. And this is a lifelong journey and, and it's going to take some time. So have some patience. One line in the Dream Symbol family that I think is really cool is the Dark Matter family. They have the Flat Earth, the Moon Ride, and the Dark Matter Energy. And although they're all made a little bit differently, they all involve the Dark Matter process. And this is really cool. Check this out. They take a symbol that is already finished and then put it back in the oven, hand hammer it, and then shock it with cold water, and then put it back in the oven. And what happens is the ash and the soot from the oven are fused to the top layer of the metal, which give it this really, really unique sound. And you know what? I want to let you hear exactly what this process does to a symbol. Check them out. To learn more about Dream Symbols, their Dark Matter line, and all their great products, be sure to check out DreamSymbols.com. The next would be uh, that I was I was wanting the alco- the accolades, excuse me, without doing the work. So I wanted to put in a little bit of effort, but get the accolades. So I wanted the endorsements. I wanted to be in the magazine. I wanted to, you know, be getting bigger gigs. I wanted to be playing with better people. But then I 
then I realize I'm I realize now I didn't realize this at the time, but I hadn't put in the work yet. I didn't deserve the accolades that I wanted. I didn't deserve the success that I wanted. And at the time, I think I subconsciously knew that I didn't put in the work, but thought that other people got lucky, so why couldn't I? And now looking back at my age now, looking back, I realized that they weren't getting lucky. They were putting in the work. And I I used to think that there was some way that I could avoid the work but still get all the results. And we obviously know that is not true. And if you think that, it's not true. There is no silver bullet. There's no like get rich quick scheme in ter- like quote unquote uh, in terms of drumming. There's just you can't go around it. You have to go through it. And that is the only way that you're going to get there. The only way that you achieve it is you put in the work. And I didn't realize that at the time. And I thought that other people just got things handed to them or they were born with some God-given ability and everyone just rains down accolades on them. Not the case. They put in the work. So if you feel like you're not getting the accolades you deserve, think about if you're really putting in the work or not. That's a piece of uh, piece of wisdom for you. So the next would be that I didn't think that I needed a teacher. So again, this goes back to my ego. I thought I was the greatest drummer in the world. I thought there was no one who could teach me anything. I thought that I was just as good as everyone else. And I always looked at everything as competition. And I didn't think I needed a teacher. And I didn't see the need for a teacher. And then once, I I mean, I think I went to like one drum lesson and I was like, whatever, I'm better than this guy, which I wasn't. I just, I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I was, I don't know, insecure, something. I'm not quite sure. Probably, probably insecure. Um, But I went to, once I got to college and I realized that studying with someone, one, taught me a lot of things that I didn't know and I didn't understand. Two, accelerated my learning really quickly because they can find the holes in your playing and help you work on those. Three, they can give you a different approach. They can give you a different mindset. They can give you feedback. They can they can watch your progress. They can hold you accountable. And I think one of the things that I always I was always worried about is like if I get a teacher, my playing is going to get too stiff, or I'm going to be too sterile. I'm going to be too academic. And sure, is there a chance that you could get too academic in your playing? Sure, if you go down that route, and that's your choice. Uh, but I think by and large, you should find yourself a teacher. And the the one caveat I would say is that find a teacher who does what you want to do. Find a teacher who plays the way that you want to play. Find a teacher who you know is giving you the right information because there's a lot of bad teachers out there. So find a good teacher who is vetted, who, you know, is getting is getting the the right accolades who is doing you know who's playing major tours that that you want to be doing like find the person that you want to model yourself after and go study with them and so if it's someone that you you feel like you really need to improve your technique find someone who's really known for their technique not just someone who has like crazy chops around the kid or something like that so find a good teacher and find the right teacher for you who can help you with the things that you need to learn but definitely find a teacher uh, the next thing tying into this was that I I didn't learn styles. And for years, 
I I never went deep to understand the different types of styles. I didn't learn, you know, shuffles. I didn't learn swing and and funk and rock and all these other styles. And I didn't do that until I got to college. And I was way behind everyone else. And people had already, you know, they had already been working out of out of books, and they were already learning, or they had already, you know, they already knew how to swing. They already knew how to play shuffles. They already knew how to play a songo and other Latin patterns and and sauces and all this other stuff. And I was just, I was behind. I was like, I was just a, a self taught, quote unquote, rock drummer. Uh, thought I knew everything. Realized I didn't know anything when I got to college, and once I started learning styles, it opened up a lot of my playing. It made me hear things differently. It, it gives you different feels. It gives you, you know, you play with, with a different sense of rhythm. And I would encourage you to, and I'm not saying you have to be a master at every single style, although that wouldn't hurt you. But I think that you should at least learn the, the basics of your essential styles. You should learn how to swing. You should learn how to play shuffles. You should learn how to play funk. You should learn how to play rock. You should learn, you know, how to play what a clave is and how to play clave, you know, like how to play Latin rhythms. You should learn that stuff. Again, like, are you going to be Pedrito Martinez and like get get called for heavy, heavy gigs in a particular style? Maybe not, but it, you at least at a cursory level can understand those styles. I think that will do you a a world of good. And again, some people might be like, well, I don't really like that style. I'm not, two things. One, you you may not like it because you don't understand it and you don't know how to play it. And two, again, I'm not saying you have to dedicate your life to being a jazz musician or dedicate your life to being a Latin player or dedicate your life to being a blues drummer. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you should at least learn those styles so you have a reference. So when you're playing a rock groove and they say, can you swing it a little more? then you understand what that means. And you don't go, sure. And you're playing a rock groove and then you just go, yeah, I can swing it more. And you go, ding, sick, da ding, sick, da ding. They're like, wait, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I just want you to like swing the eighth notes a little bit more than you are or something like that. So learn your styles. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll benefit you way more than you think it will. Uh, the next would be, I wasted time when I was practicing. And I would go in... And I would spend all this time in the practice room. Like I would be in, sometimes I would be in there for hours at a time, but I wasn't really getting anything done. And so what I was, what I would do is I would go in and, and I would learn a lick and then I would play all this cool stuff that, that I already knew how to play and that made me feel good. And really when it comes, when you think about it, it comes down to ego and I was feeding my ego. So I would play all this stuff that makes me feel good. And I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm the man. I'm the best drummer in the world. I'm the best drummer in this college, whatever it is. And it, because you don't want, you know, it's hard to go in and play a bunch of stuff that you don't know because you feel like you suck and you feel like you're not making progress and, and you start to come down on yourself. But that's where the real growth happens. Anytime that you're playing something that sounds good and feels good, you already know how to play it. You're not getting any better. And looking back, I spent a lot of time in the practice room wasting time and not growing. And it became a point of frustration where I was thinking, you know, I'm practicing all the time, but I don't feel like I'm getting better. And guess what changed a lot of that? Getting a teacher. And they were like, when you go into the practice room, practice this. And I would go into the practice room and I would say, wow, this really sucks. And this is really hard. And how is this going to like, 
oddly, I would think, how is this going to make me better? Like I sound horrible and I'm playing it at 40 beats a minute. And the reality of it is, and we already know how this story ends, that that that's how you get better is you challenge your comfort zone. You play the things that you can't play. You sound like crap in the practice room. That is where real growth happens. So when you go into practice, I remember Russ Miller said that when you go into practice, you should start by playing something that you like. Just play whatever, play along with a tune, play some stuff that you already know how to play. Then go in, then get into some deep work, then get into some, some, some real deliberate practice and play some stuff that is really hard for you to play. And then at the end of the end of your practice routine, play stuff that you enjoy playing again. So you, you start the practice session and you end the practice session on a really positive note. So that way you'll be encouraged to go to practice the next day. You don't want to end the practice session frustrated because you couldn't play this, you know, this pattern around the kid or something like that, because you're going to leave in a bad mood and you're going to, you're going to think about that the next day. And you're going to, I don't want to go back in there and do that again. So start it and end it on a positive note, but spend the majority of the time doing some deep work, doing some deliberate practice on things that you can't play. And the last one would be that I didn't, I I didn't play with a lot of dynamics. And I think I played, I played with a lot of, a lot of, I'm going to call them outer dynamics and inner dynamics. And let me explain. So from an outside perspective, sure, I played loud and sometimes I played quiet, right? Depending on what the song was, what the gig was, whatever it is. But I didn't have a lot of internal dynamics inside of my playing. And what I mean is like literally from like note to note, accents, uh, playing particular things around the kit louder than others. And, and my set point was usually high. And what I mean by that is like, I sort of, on a scale of one to 10 in terms of, in terms of volume, I kind of started at like a seven and went to 10. I was never starting at three and going from three to seven to 10 to three to seven to four to five, you know, and those inner dynamics is really where you get a strong sense of pulse. You get a strong sense of you get a strong sense of feel and vibe, and it gives you so much more room to do things. And the person who told me about this was Scott Amendola. I went and had a lesson to him, and this isn't long ago. This was like a couple years ago. And I I played, the first lesson we had, I played, and he said, wow, you play really loud. And I said, oh, okay. So then I just played quieter, but then my dynamic level, even though I was playing quieter, it was still all sort of at like the same level. It's kind of hard to explain, but, um, but then I, so what I did was I started practicing everything at like really, really low volumes. And then I started to, I never, I I guess what I'm saying is I never, I never developed a lower dynamic level. So I developed everything from like five and above, but never really developed anything from, from like five below. And you know, playing at 160 beats a minute, playing really, really quiet is really hard. And so I, I started to really work on that full dynamic range instead of just the top end of those dynamics. Totally. To, again, I, I've said this a couple of times, but like totally opened up my playing, made me hear things differently, made me play things differently, gave me a full dynamic range versus a limited dynamic range and increased 
increased the way that or increased like the vibe of my of my groove it made things feel a lot better it made things sound a lot better and i thank scott amendola for opening that up again goes back to like having a teacher and understanding that uh that you know there's holes in your playing and someone else can help you spot them out so i w- my recommendation with dynamics is check where your playing is and see do you you may have a dynamic range between five and 10, but do you have a full dynamic range between one and 10? And I think that we tend to skip over developing that lower dynamic range a lot. And I think that if you do that, it'll it'll change the way that you're playing sounds. It'll change the way you groove. It'll change the way you hear things. Not only that, it'll give you a lot more control over what you're playing. If you can play paradiddles at 200 beats a minute, and play it extremely quiet, like pianissimo, like super quiet, you will see a drastic improvement in your playing overall. I promise you that. So those are the 10 mistakes that I've made. I've Trust me, I've made thousands of mistakes, but those are 10 that really stick out to me that are avo- avoidable that I wanted to share with you. And I would love to hear your feedback on this and see if you've made any of these mistakes as well and see if this helped in any way so shoot me an email nick at drummersresource.com uh i'm also on all the socials as you know and if you dig this podcast do me a favor leave a rating leave a review you can do that on itunes it takes a minute and it lets people know that they should be listening to this podcast and again i hope you have a great black friday and i hope you had an amazing thanksgiving here in the states or a an an amazing thursday yesterday uh if you're anywhere else and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and i'll be talking to you soon peace